listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Hawks play at Winnipeg this afternoon in just about an hour's time. How you doing today, Chief? Uh, I'm doing great. It's game day. And I this is we're getting to the part of the calendar where I start looking like that's a winnable game. This is a winnable game. So Winnipeg on the road, I kind of feel like it's a winnable game. Let's go uh, get two points. All right, so at the beginning of the season, how optim like how many wins or points did you think this team was going to end up with? Wins? Now let's go points. Points? I think I think the the line was like sixty five and a half, right? And I think I think I was over because I, I I wrote a blog about it in the summer where I'm like I think they're going to be just a little too many guys on one year deals, too many guys with something to prove. Uh, you know, a coach to get people to buy in. I thought that they would be right about 70. I thought, I thought, okay. it, was, I thought it was about two wins too low. And now it's like it might have been 15 wins too low. Who knows? So. They're, they're five, four, and two, third in the central. They're a playoff team right now. Mm-hmm. Are, are they going to be in this playoff mix for the rest of the season or are they going to come back down? Or, like, it's not really sustainable. To get out possessed, out shot, out chanced, mm-hmm. like they they have, like case in point against Los Angeles, L.A. had seventy one shot attempts, mm-hmm. Hawks had forty shots on goal, thirty three nineteen in favor of L.A. Scoring chances five on five, twenty seven twelve in favor of the Kings. Not great. Five on five high danger chances. 13-4. All right, so that last one's the one I care about the most. I agree. So if you're if everything's from the perimeter, I could live with that. But part of the thing about like, oh, is this going to be sustainable? It feels like this past week is when it should have been like alarm bells going off and turning back into a pumpkin because Seth Jones is out. You're on your third goalie. Uh, Tyler Johnson's been out. Like you're, it's like, all right, well they have injuries. So if the if the margin for error was so thin to begin the year, anyways, if you remove three, four key pieces. Right. Now you're looking, oh, maybe we're back in that Connor Bedard territory. They just keep getting points. They just keep winning. It doesn't make any sense. So it's, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I think at this point, you just have to just enjoy it and believe. And I, that's where I am. I, I'm in the point where it's like, yeah, I think, you know, they, they, they are very competitive. It's not while they're giving up chances. You, you have to work for it in a way that you didn't have to in previous years. So it's not like they're just high-flying, easy chances, you know, a barrage at your net. You're getting out chance, but it, it never felt – I don't know, maybe you feel differently. I, I look at the games, and it, it's not like I'm white-knuckling the games. No, no, they're better defensively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't seem like they're giving up the high-quality chances that they were the last yeah. two years. Their special teams power play is better than I thought it was going to be. Way better. Their goaltending has been better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and they're just, and then when they get down, because they've only had the lead uh, and scored first in a game three times out of the 11. Yep. So they've been coming from behind pretty much the, the, the entire season. When they were down two goals a year ago or the first year of Colleton, I was like, 
this thing's over. They could be up two goals. Yeah. They could be up yeah. three to one, and then you give up one. It's like, well, they're going to lose this game five to three. Yeah. And, and they inevitably would. That's like another thing. Like, I, I love analytics, but I'm not totally sold on, like, these hockey analytics. Like, I want to know, all right, like, it, these high danger chances. So he says 13 to four, right? Yeah. How much space in that in that area is there a guy on your hip is there a guy getting a stick on you as right, you're taking that right. shot because last year guys were open by like five feet and like any nhl guy is going to put home goals in that scenario so is it is it yeah you gave up a shot or you gave up a chance from inside you know inside the house or whatever inside home plate is, is it not all chances are created equal not all high danger chances are created equal so i i that's like the next phase of analytics right it's like is that a challenged Chance. chance and and is it a, are you rushed are you off on your on your weak foot are you all those little things that go into it and that's you know veteran guys are going to make plays more difficult even if they're not in perfect position it's not, it's always going to be a competitive shot and i think we might be seeing some of that transpire here too and then who thought jonathan Taves, who said at the start of the season look i i mean he hinted to like i've got to have a season to Get another contract when he talked to Mark Lazarus. Give like, him another eight-year deal right now. <laughs> okay, I mean he looks are. like Maurice Richard out there. Yes, he does. And he's he's, he's going to lead the league in goals. He gets seven he, goals in what in eleven games. Yeah. And so he's on pace for like fifty-two or fifty career highs at thirty-five years old. I, yeah, yeah, shooting at thirty-three percent right now. Do That's talk, sustainable. Talk things that aren't sustainable. That'll yeah, that'll last. Look at that. Look, the water always finds its level. Sure, okay? it'll find its level, but. How long did we have to wait for him to get seven goals last year? Did he even get seven goals? Four, he did. Got yeah. twelve. Okay, so it took like I think the forty eighth game, something like that. Yeah, so, so we're well ahead of pace. This and year. it is like I am kind of a live in the moment person. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Right. I I'm enjoying watching him play. I, you know, I, it was like the line from Field of Dreams. Like you see him score a goal in overtime against LA. It's like the brush the memories away from yes. your face. Because they're so thick watching him play hockey this way, and it, and it's been great, and I love the play. I think we talked about it last week, where he, uh, you know, it's an empty net situation, and he goes down, he wins a race, bodies the guy, tucks it in, wrap around goal. Like he looks more spry than he has any time in the last couple of years. Well, let's so. live in the past a little bit. Let's go back to Thursday night and the Hawks' big victory in overtime over the L.A. Kings. Caleb Jones, Ed Whistle fighting for position and a score. On the board. Tricky redirect, and the Hawks will take it. Going to be a full plane, but it'll be great. Here's Kaliev. For Lazat, he scores. Off the rush. Kings tie the game. Jonathan Taves. Taken by McCabe. McCabe hangs on the puck. Score! Jonathan Taves, the overtime winner. That was Chris Vosters on the call on NBC Sports Chicago on Thursday night. That was the 16th overtime goal of Johnny's career. Look, I think he's in a really good mental space. Last year, he comes back from being away from the game over... Uh, uh, over a year, mm-hmm. and you know how hard he is on himself. Like when he gets in a lull or gets into a skid where he doesn't have a goal, and mm-hmm. it took forever to get his like first and second goal last year. Um, 
He, you see it. He wears it on his face. He's always been a streaky player. Yes. When it's going good, he's he's the one of the best players in the world. And if he has a dry spell, it can last. And the, that was one of the things I always loved about him is he was always effective, even if he wasn't necessarily scoring. There are certain guys, if they're not on the score sheet, it's like, what are you doing on the team? Johnny always brought the defense, and he and he brought the leadership. He always had he always had value, but when he's scoring, it just it's just a whole different level. The whole team feels differently, and it's you know, I do think it is kind of good for the psychology of a team when your captain has it going. So it's not because sometimes, and and I'm sure you've been on teams, and I've been on teams where it's like you want the guy who's who's standing up in front of the room and wearing the letter on their chest to be also the guy leading you on the ice with their play. And so when you have both of those things going, it's like a magical thing, and they definitely have that going right now. And it's it almost feels like for this season, as Johnny goes, the team will go. So yeah. if, he, if he's scoring, he won't keep it up at 33%, but he'll be, if he's an effective player offensively all year long, they'll be in the mix. And, and Chief, they're impactful goals. They're goals and wins. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, he scores two goals or gets, you know, a six or seven game point streak, which he's currently on, but they've lost six of seven. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, empty right. calories. You know, right. you're like, oh, he's scoring, but, yeah. you know, they're walking off the right. ice dejected. Like the old Manny Ramirez, where right. it's like we're down nine nothing, he hit a bomb. Well, who cares? Like, Johnny, these are things that he's changing the course of the game. And, uh, and he's competitive out there, you know, in all situations. So it's still the same old Johnny, but. With the offense that we haven't seen, and I don't, it's been a long time. He had that one year, maybe three, three, four years, like the last year before the lockout, he was, you know, just shy of a point per game. I think it's 76 points or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, at this point, you, you would have to be, if he's healthy, it's like he's going to get, he might get 30 goals, which would be incredible. Amazing. Unthinkable. And, and imagine what it's going to do to his trade value. I, I, I'm not sold on that. All right. Well, let, let's first, before we get into that, let's hear from Johnny on the uh, the surprising success of this team. I think overall we've been pretty consistent, so it's, it's overall a pretty good feeling in this locker room. And um, So, you know, you look at a record, and you might be surprised uh, if you were looking at this team uh, before training camp even with where the expectations were at, but with the group that we have and the, the commitment and the guys have made to, to each other and to being part of this team and, and building that chemistry, it's, it doesn't feel surprising at all. They have bought into Luke Richardson's culture, uh, his, his systems, and yeah. uh, look, they, they stick up for one another. That's something we haven't seen the last couple of years. I mean, I love what I've seen from Max Domi. Me too. And, and that was a great moment. And, and Wiley celebrated. They talked about uh, with Richardson. They talked about it with Domi. Domi had a quote, great quote about it. Where he's like, basically, hey, you don't touch 19 or 88. Yeah. Okay. And, and that should be true always. Right. And, they, and I feel like they had gotten away from that a little bit. They just didn't have the guys really to do it or the guys who had the desire to do it uh, in the last few years. It's one thing to do it for them. That's the expectation. When you see last night, Reese Johnson gets a little bit roughed up along the boards, and Kara comes right over and is like, hey, like that's not allowed. You're not bullying the Hawks anymore. Right. You're not pushing them around, and they have each other's back, and it's you know, it's like that the movie The 300, where it's like, hey, like you got a million guys. You might be better than us. We might be out, man, but we're, we're arm in arm together, and that is a powerful thing, whether people want to admit that or not. And, and what I like about it is, Kyle Davidson said that that's the type of player, that's mm-hmm. a trait he's looking for yep. in his players. And the guys he has brought in, they have that trait. All, and, and, yeah. I mean, 
Do you remember, Chief, in the last couple of years when something would go awry and, like, seeing Debrinket of all people, like, giving the stinky glove? Like, I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah. But, like, he shouldn't have been the guy doing it. Right. There should be other players on the team other than the, you know, five foot. Right. Eight score, and, and so when you're finally seeing that, and you know Domi's not that much bigger than no, that either, true. right? But it's like it it does become, uh, and it's I had this thought myself. And I wonder if you think it. I wonder if if Kara does that for Johnson, if Domi hadn't done it for Kane. Mm. So it's like it just becomes like part of your culture, your expectation. Like, hey, that guy was praised. He was rewarded for that. We still won that game. Or they won that game. No, they didn't. Win no, that they game. didn't. But got a point. But it was like, hey, we're in a competitive but it was, game. It, it, but it took a penalty when the game was hanging in the in balance. balance. Yeah. And, but it was like, but he was still rewarded for that. Sure. And, uh, and it was like, hey, like, you know what? I'm going to stay. Like, I didn't like that hit. Yeah. I didn't like that hit. And so I'm going to go and do something about it. And I do think that it, it becomes, you know, it's like that old expression, like, watch your thoughts. They become habits. Like, when you watch these things happen, it's like, hey, like, I'm going to do that too. And then the next guy does it. And the next guy does it. And all of a sudden, you got a little bit more space out there. And guys are taking a little bit less liberties. You're a little bit less sore after a game because you're not getting the extra wax and things like that on a Wednesday night in Carolina that you don't want to be taking because you have this reputation. And I think they're building that character and that reputation. And it's leading to results with their, with the way they're playing. It's, it's beautiful. I'm loving it. All right. So there's a few things I want to get to. I want to I t- ask you about. Uh, Jonathan Tay's trade value, where that's at. We'll get into that on the other side. And from a management standpoint, it looks like they're trending away from being one of the three worst teams to have the best odds. Buyers at the deadline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know what's plan B and C or what, what what's what's going around in Kyle Davidson's head as he watches this team you know, pick up points, even loser mm-hmm. points on, yep. on given nights. That's coming up next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to the Hockey Show. We are Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to the Hockey Show. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. We're sponsored by the Chicago Wolves, the defending Calder Cup champions. They are heading out on a trip, having dropped two in a row, but did pick up a point in their last game when they fell to the Milwaukee Admirals 4-3 in overtime on October 29th. After a couple games in Cleveland, the Wolves will face the Admirals in Milwaukee on Wednesday morning. Chicago's next home game is November 12th against Iowa. That's also Military Appreciation Night. So thanks to our sponsor, the Chicago Wolves. Mm Mm-hmm. Back here on the Hockey Show, and uh, with this great start to Jonathan Taves' season, the seven goals in 11 games, uh, the nine points, the seven-game point streak that he's on right now. The hottest guy in the league. The hottest guy in the league. <laughs> I, I At the beginning of the year, I thought, like, maybe you get a fourth-rounder for him at the deadline for a team that... You know, wants to bolster their third line. Great face-off guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do a lot worse than, than that. And then he goes out and plays like Johnny from three years ago. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, uh, you might get a second. Yeah. 
So where where are you at on on like trade value with the way he's playing? Obviously, he's going to come back t- down to earth here. Yeah. So, we, but, he, but he, like we said, like he's on pace for fifty two. That's impossible. Right. But if he gets 30, thirty goals, is yeah. well, I mean, what's the market for a guy who scores thirty goals? Like that's that's a that's a look at the market was for. Brand, now again, we're not comparing apples yeah. to apples because he's only making a million and a half right. a year, and he's but younger. But that was a twenty-plus yeah. goal score pace that yeah. that Hartman was on. Yep, and uh, you know Johnny's looking more to, to be around thirty. I, it's at this point you would be shocked if he doesn't get to twenty-five because it would it would have to take like I a, meant Hagel by the way. Yeah, I, I knew it. I knew I, what I, you the, meant. I, yeah, Ryan Hartman's still yeah. in my head. I can't. He had the shoulder injury. He just had the fight the other night. Yeah, so it's too bad. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think you know. I wonder how much his name means. You know, like it, it, hey, like we got Jonathan Taves. Is it? And and I'm. You look at what the the Panthers got for. Uh, they gave up to get Giroux. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's a package like that. If he's on that thirty goal, like genuinely on that thirty goal pace, like that changes his value. And you, you know, you'll obviously have to eat some some cap, and and there's value in doing that too. So, could it be a second round pick? Probably, uh, you know. And it, but I get this is the question that you and I have talked about. But if they're in a wild card spot, are you doing that? So, the, the, we we touched on this last week. Here's the thing: if you're in a wild card spot, I don't think you're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Correct. Uh, I I don't I do not buy the just get in the dance and you never know. I know eight seeds have made runs. I understand that, but by and large, the teams that are the top two in their division mm-hmm. are the ones that are we're going to see advance. Right. No one thinks they're, they're going to be the twenty twelve Kings. Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. But well, I do think there's value in making the playoffs and playing in the playoffs. I oh, guess. I do. I I think and, and I just just as I think there's value in the culture that like. Luke is established, and mm-hmm. if you start taking, yeah, Domi off, right, often to see you away, right, uh, you know, even Tyler Johnson being out here, I know he's under contract going forward, but like you start taking these key components, Kane and Taves, right, t- they bought in, like, and it was funny. I asked um, Luke on the post game show on Thursday night. I said, you know, off to this surprising start, but how important has he been to the buy in? And he said he's been integral. Yeah. He said, he goes, now he'll share some things with us that he'd like us to do. <laughs> and he goes, sometimes we'll do it. And he said it like tongue yeah. in cheek. But I'm like, I'm like, this guy gets it. You mm-hmm. know, he, he he has been in a locker room with stars before. He knows how to, to treat them. Yeah. I, I just, um, you start taking those players away. All of a sudden, the culture that's established yeah, the talking points are still on the whiteboard, but like, who is implementing them? Who is implementing it? Who carries that forward? And and it's like, I don't know. I don't know if this would cross in the back of other players' minds, but it's like, well, everybody last year bought in, and you traded everybody, right? So, how sustainable is this? And how how important is the buy buy in? If all the guys who built that culture and bought in that culture, you just traded them anyways. So, I think there's something to be said because they went in the tank. After they traded Hagel, last, I mean that was a yeah. that was a shot to the totally. to the bow totally. And and when I you know I, I've always just wanted them to play meaningful hockey as these contracts wind down. Like I you know it, that's why I wanted Seth Jones. I didn't think they'd win the cup, but th- I want to see Taves and Kane in high leverage. Play. You know, how fun was the Vegas series or, and the Edmonton series? That meant nothing in a bubble. Give me one more night. 
with that anthem rocking, game three against whoever. Give me Edmonton. Give me Vegas. Like, I don't care who it is. I just want to. I want to see that one more time. And I know that there is like a meatball element to that take where it's not good for the long term. But I, I, I need it. I need it one last time. It's like it's like a drug that I was addicted to that that run. And I love watching those players so much that I'm not. If they have an opportunity to do it, I want to do it. And I want to do it here. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, I'm going to compare it to like great movie franchises. You you saw one of the best in. NHL history, the three cups in six mm-hmm. years. Okay, yeah, and and you want another sequel? You want you want the twenty yeah. twenty two version or twenty three mm-hmm. version? My thought is the script I'm looking at okay. is not the same script we experienced in twenty ten, thirteen, and fifteen. Okay. You want you know we're starting to get deep into the Rockies here. You know, yep. like this is like Rocky seven, eight, nine, and none of them are any good. I love this analogy. Okay. What if I told you that it's not a Rocky franchise, it's Gladiator? Okay. You start off, you're the, the lead general of the entire Roman army. Then you're a slave for a long time. Then you come back and you have this glory, but you die in the end. Spoilers. But you die in the end. But it's still a great story. And it's like, and it's like these guys, if, the, if that's the end, and they died, and they've moved on, but we, what they left was something beautiful that you could lay a foundation to rebuild Rome. And I, I think that that is, I might just have to write this in a blog. I, mean, I think that's I mean, a terrific wow. analogy. I that, mean, what a pull. Anyways, but I think that's the story. I think that's the story where it's like these guys were, they're going, they'll do anything for this organization and, and likewise, and we'll ride it out to the very end and we'll build, we'll rebuild it on what the foundation that they left us. And if they come back, great. If they don't, we're rebuilding anyway. So we'll just we'll just keep going to the same plan. And and maybe you know the whole idea about Bedard and and Fantilli being at the top of the draft is like you want to get the next Taves or Kane, and those guys are impossible to get. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with being the Minnesota Wild, okay? Where you're, you know, it's not it's not the ideal. But, like, we've got our three cups. I just want to see very competitive hockey and pursuing things that are meaningful. So I'm willing to be like, hey, we got the eighth pick or the 15th pick, and we accumulated all these guys. We don't have, like, the the true, true star via the draft. I think that's okay. And then if the cap goes up and you have this space, maybe you just you throw, you know, I don't know, $12 million at somebody as, a, as an RFA or a UFA, if it's Austin Matthews or whoever, and that's how you go get your star. There's more than one way to do this, and I, I want to see playoff hockey. I don't really, I mean, I'm, it's a little bit joking. I don't really think they're going to end up there, but I don't want to be sitting in the seventh spot, that first wild card spot, and have a, uh, have a yard sale. Like, I don't want that either. So if, if they're in that spot, I want them to go for it. Don't buy, don't give up assets, but let's ride it out. I, I feel like... Ryan Bowman or Barstool Bowman has entered the Oh league. that those are fighting words. <laughs> I, I mean but but you're oscillating. You 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 know 2 weeks mm-hmm. ago a month ago you're like I'm in on the yeah. on on the you know lose hard for Bedard or whatever. I get the plan. Mm-hmm. I like the type of player that Kyle's going after and you know you you saw the vision and you were I you, still you co-signed. Yeah, it's too bad that he created a team that was too good for that. Plan. I know. Okay. So it's like, I didn't He's mess so up his damn plan. Good. He did. He messed up his own yeah. plan with the Max Domies, the Anthony Sios, and Lafferty's, and all these God, guys. That guy's he got, fast. He got all the perfect guys. That's his fault. So it's not my fault. It's his fault. Now this is the reality of where they are right now, and things change, and we'll see. But if they're in a spot, 
It's not like the Bowman thing because I hated all the guys that Bowman would bring. Well, in. that's true. You know, that's, like, I, yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm not comparing it to the type of yeah. player he went. I'm I'm saying that you're you're in total rebuild mill mode, and then you're yeah. like, yeah, but I'm going to dip my toe a little bit yeah. over here, make a run at it, because that was his thing. When you, when you talk to him on Redline Radio, mm-hmm. you you basically were asking him about the thought process in the bubble, right? And he's like, well, if we just get in. Oh, that drove me crazy. Well, yes, it did. And that's... Right, but his thing was, if you just get in, you never know what can happen. He's saying, like, oh, we could have gone on a run. And and I was like, no, you ran that experiment. You stink. Okay, you you finished 12th. So you're never... Like, you should know that that was never going to happen. I'm saying, make the playoffs knowing you're not going to go on a run. Like, I'm fully aware that they're not going to knock off maybe anyone. And I'm okay with that. But they might... They get to six games. You get us, you get us three playoff home games. One last year, that would be incredible. The building would be on fire. It would be buzzing. And I would, I, and again, I'm not necessarily even rooting for that, right? But if that is the reality on trade deadline day, you're sitting in seventh. That's going to be a very hard pill to swallow. You better get more than Hagel for each of those guys. If you're going to surrender competitive hockey after what we've been through the last seven years, you better get a haul. It can't be, can't even be what you got for to bring it. It's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be uh, a lot, a lot higher than that. Well, we'll see. I, uh, I find it fascinating. I, you know, I, I don't think it's sustainable the way they're playing to continue to pile up the points that they have. Now, again, they're not that far away from, from being, you know, in the basement either you know as we uh as we sit the blackhawks have 12 points st louis has six yeah i mean they are they've lost six in a row they're a mess i i watched that game uh, i had the over when they played la this week and they were at home la dusted it was five nothing before you could really blink and it was so it was five it was it was five one after two. The over was six. It ended five one. That was a tough one. But it was like LA's faster than them. They're more committed than them. Uh, more talented than them. Like the Blues, you look at their individual pieces: Falk, um, Pareko, Tarasenko. He looks a little little long in the two. He's looking a yeah. little maybe a half step slower. Maybe and and you know this is a team that they they have started slow in the past. The year they won the cup, they were bad. Uh, so I don't think that they're going to be a lottery team that, or at least not the bottom three. Uh, but I, I think they're going to, they might have, like, they better pull it together quickly. And, and who knows how they do that? And Bennington hasn't looked good. It's been, they're a mess. And I enjoy when St. Louis is a mess. So I don't mind yeah. that at all. But yeah, that, the bottom of the Arizona is a mess. Anaheim, San Jose, and Van are all a mess. I think if you could take Anaheim, you take the best 10 guys in Anaheim, the best 10 guys in the Hawks, you're winning the Stanley Cup. So we'll just combine the team. Yeah, they're, they're just not, I don't know if you've watched any of them, but like their roster, they're, they're soft. They got all the skill in the world. And this was their problem last year too, where they just got, they got punched in the mouth and then they, they go out and like, who do they get? Uh, on defense, they they add like um, I think it was, they got Klingberg. Like they got they it was just more of kind of the, they're doubling down on this all skill thing. And, and the great Ryan Whitney, the game is always going to be the game. You have to be able to play multiple ways, and that's why I always loved like that that 2010 Hawks team. You want to play run and gun? You got uh, they, they could they do, do any game, everything. Yeah, and uh, so uh, the Ducks just they're going to be I think in the bottom five of the league kind of all year long. Fun a fun bottom five. Because they they play that high flying style, but I, I I think the Hawks finish above Anaheim. Uh, coming up next, 
Is Arvid Soderblom, is he like a future number one goalie for the Blackhawks? Is he somebody that you could make a cup run with? We'll ask Colby Cohen that. That's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN. You're listening to The The, the Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. 100.3 HD2. And the ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to The Hockey Show on the AM at 1000. On the FM at 100.3 HD2. On your phone. Through the ESPN Chicago app. ESPN 1000 Hawks taking on the Winnipeg Jets this afternoon, just after 2 o'clock on NBC Sports Chicago. Our uh, next guest uh, you will see in studio, does it all. He's between the benches for home games, does some color analyst upstairs as well. He is the one and only Colby Cohen. How you doing today, Colby? And handsome. Damn handsome. Oh, well, I always appreciate that and what's going on. I'll take that, I'll take that type of intro any day of the week. <laughs> So uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, Arvid Soderblom. So I know we, we, you and I had the debate, is it Bloom or Blom? And we have to, we have to settle on something because his brother in Detroit goes by Blom. But you, you pointed out yesterday in the Jumbotron, he referred to himself as Bloom. So we got to figure that out. <laughs> but did the Hawks figure something out here? Is, is Arvid possibly a starting goalie that could be – the quote-unquote franchise type of goalie that they're looking for? Or are you still thinking that it's all Drew Camesso down the road? You know, I think that um, it's a good problem to have when you have two young goaltenders that both look like they could potentially, you know, be starting NHL netminders. But, you know, PB, watching him the last couple of games, I mean, he's six foot three and... You know, he, he, he's played well. I mean, I, I think I mentioned last night in the studio that I think his rebound control is, is something that he's going to need to improve upon. But I remember Tuka Rask needing to improve upon that in his first and second year in the American League, um, you know, being around him in that organization. So I'm very, very pleased with the difference between Arvid last season to this season. Uh, obviously, this team does not allow the same level of grade A opportunities consistently that we saw last year. But uh, I, I'm looking at him thinking his development is going really well and um, liking what I'm seeing out of him. I, I was shocked that BU Colby didn't just go in with, nope, Camasso's the guy. Camasso. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I do like Drew Camasso. He played really well in his first game back from injury, but you know, watching Arvid uh, really dominate at the American League level um, and then come up here and, and hold his own after last season. I mean, I you can't deny a guy's development and his progress. And, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I have a crystal ball because goaltending is the one position that I know the least about. Um, but I, I really, I like his progression and, and I – Right now, he looks like a guy who I, I, next year he'll be ready for a little bit more of a role, and then hopefully the year after that, it's like okay, maybe maybe he's the guy at that point. Yeah, how how do you define franchise goalie? Because I was having this debate on Twitter the other night. 
to me, you know, it's a guy who can steal a playoff series, and I feel like there's there's like ten of ten or so of those guys yep. off the top of my head. You think he can be that? Because that would be, I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I I'm I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that because it's the easy. You don't know, um, and I agree with you. They're they're like starting quarterbacks. Like, how many true number one starting quarterbacks are in the NFL where teams? aren't looking to upgrade at that position. Maybe there's a dozen of those guys in the NFL. Um, and I think that the NHL is the same. You know, you're talking about the flurries, the rafts, prices, um, you know, and then everybody else who has a number one is still thinking, hmm, is he, you know, you, you look at Carter Hart and you're like, okay, he's the number one in Philly, but like, are we sure he's the guy at this point? No, they're not. So, do I think that? I don't know, Chief. I really don't. Um, you know, I know that our goaltending coach looks at him and and thinks that he could be that guy. But me personally, I, I just don't. I don't know the answer to that question. I haven't seen that. Um, but I, I, I like it. Like I say, I love that we have Scott Darling in the studio now because let him answer the goaltending questions because that's his his forte. Yeah, we, we were talking before. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we're having Colby on talk goalie because that's a real blind spot for me. And then Colby, you come on, you're like, hey, this is a real blind spot for me. It's like almost word for word. So it is. It is hard to evaluate goalies, especially because the, the level of competition at the AHL or in Europe is so much different than what it is in the NHL. So it's like it's not – it's almost impossible until you see him do it at that level. So – the only thing that I do feel really comfortable talking about with goaltending is the development of them only because I got a front row ticket to two different instances for goal, young goaltenders that had quote unquote star potential and the way it was handled to uh, Rask in Boston, which I had a front row seat to and Carter Hart in Philly, which as a, as an analyst, I had a front row seat to and the difference between rushing a goalie to the NHL versus letting them work it out in the American League, come up a little bit here and there, then move into a backup role behind Tim Thomas, and then eventually take over the reins versus throwing Carter Hart to the Wolves early in his career and then watching him take two or three steps forward and four or five steps backwards yep. continually. And I just... You know, that's why I said last night to Pat, you know, when, when the media was asking Arvid, do you think you're making it hard on, on Kyle Davidson to send you back to the American League? And my response to that was no, and I sure hope not, because I just, again, you know, uh, doing it on a small scale and, and doing it briefly is different than being that number one that you guys are talking about. Yeah, and if he does kind of follow that, path that you just laid out earlier where it's like hey he's doing a little bit this year and then maybe next year he's ready for a bigger role and then maybe he's ready to be the starter it's not that dissimilar from the Corey crawford path, no not at all Corey crawford wasn't a full-time starter he's in rockford six years until he was 26 was his wow. first year as a full-time starter and even that year i i believe they that was the year they brought in marty turco yeah so they wanted they wanted a stable pony uh veteran guy to, to help him along so, yeah, so I think if people uh, – it's a great point, Colby, that I don't think if, – if he goes back down, people shouldn't be questioning or getting frustrated. Like, this is the smart play, uh, especially at that position. 
And and things have changed too. I think goaltenders ten years ago, the starters would play like eighty percent of the games, and the backup would play like twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like you see more of this sixty forty type of split because they like to give goaltenders a little bit more time off during the year. And and maybe you know maybe Arvid is showing that next year you know he can be a thir- he can play thirty percent of the games. Maybe he's maybe he's Mrazek's backup next season and. He gets to see NHL shooters every day in practice. You know, he's playing one out of every three three games. He's getting those back-to-backs. And, like, you're slowly breaking him into the league without just saying, here you go. Um, and and you guys talked about, yeah, he could be great at the American League, but then you come to the NHL and everybody can shoot. And the puck, you know, that moves faster. And you got to be more cognizant of your rebounds. And, and so, you know... I just I think Kyle has the right his, the right head on his shoulders about not rushing these guys and I think goaltenders of all positions is the one you've got to be the most patient with um, and give the most time so you know that's that's what I would hope to see with Arvid. Colby Cohen joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You were talking in studio the other night about the Jason Dickinson trade and what a sneaky steal this looks like it was. <laughs> For the for the Kyle Davidson in the Blackhawks, not only is Dickinson a good fit, mm-hmm. and he's already got four goals, and he does the things that you know for years we've been asking, you know, players to go to the front of that, look for dirty goals. Uh, but you also got a second round pick, and you gave up what Riley Stillman? Like, thank you very much. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, let's can we do this again? Yeah, and, and that's a, you know. Riley Stillman, I, I always I liked him. He's a very competitive player, but they had a gazillion defensemen. Yeah. So it's like it's, it's you didn't lose anything, and you got a, a quality. They got they have so many guys that are just they're pros, they're pros. They know they do all the little details right, and, and I think you know Colby, you've said that on the air where it's like, hey, the attention to detail is just there with this Richardson and this group of veterans. Yeah, and and Jason Dickinson was was really you know he played on a line with Yarncroke in Dallas. They were in the third line a couple of years. Where you know if you think back to some of those playoff series that they had with San Jose, I mean they they had some runs. Um, and Dickinson was a quality player, and and you know you give him a little more opportunity. Um, he, he he got a second round pick for him. We're in a rebuild. He may be a guy who does so well this season, you turn around and trade him at the deadline for another second round pick. I mean, that's the kind of guy teams are coming for, you know, look what, look what Callie Yarncroke fetched. uh, I think it was, was either Dallas or maybe it was Nashville. Like he got you a second or third round pick when he got traded to Calgary. I mean, those types of players that don't make a lot of money. Okay. That are really valuable you know, maybe borderline second, but probably third line players at the trade deadline. Those guys have so much value. I mean, uh, at the deadline, the Rangers brought in Tyler, you know, they brought in Mott, they brought in, you know, obviously cop, but he was a bigger player. So I, I liked that move. And, and it's almost like the Sam Lafferty trade yeah. that mm-hmm. Kyle made last year when everyone was like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden, you know, again, like Lafferty has come here, beat a good pro, um, you know, again, you know, just another guy who kind of on, on the DL probably is going to be highly sought after by other teams come the deadline this year, next year, you know, so, so some sneaky good moves that, 
um, aren't the dock trade. They're not the Debrinket trade. They're not the ones that everybody's up in arms about one way or the other, but have worked out pretty well for, for Chicago. So here's a dilemma that, that Chief pitched. It's trade deadline time, and the Hawks have been hovering <laughs> around the 7 or 8 spot in the Western know, Conference. <laughs> what, 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 what do you think Kyle will do? do, do are you selling... Are you cautiously selling or are you a buyer? Or could you just stand pat? Just don't do it. Sit on your hands, throw your phone in the toilet. You're selling because you, 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 you put a plan in place and the goal is not to squeak into the playoffs. It, it's not. And I know that you're seeing Jonathan Taves off to the best start of his career and Kane is still putting up points every night you know, like it's pond hockey. I mean, it's, it's wild how he's just going to continue to do this. And I know it's tempting and it's easier for me to say, because like I didn't grow up here and, and I don't have, you know, but, but I still think you're selling because ultimately if you want to be successful long-term, you still need a larger crop of high-end players. um, And you're going to need to weaponize your cap space and, and, and I think they're still probably going to have opportunities to, you know, potentially bring, take a contract or two for a player that maybe can help you this year, but really couldn't help, you know, Team X. You know, maybe it's the Rangers and they need to unload something, be, you know, a, a decent player that makes a little bit of money in order to make room for a, a Blackhawk or two that, that potentially they're looking at, right? So I still think you got to be a stellar um you know, I've been really impressed with this team and the way that they've worked and the details. But I, I, I still got to be realistic here, and I still got to say, like, I still don't think that this is a team that's going to go, you know, challenging for a Stanley Cup right now. I think we all know that. So um, I still think you got to be a seller, and I think that, look, does that potentially change the conversations with 88 and 19? Yeah, it, it does. Um, but I still think that some of these other players that we've discussed on this con, you know, on, on, in this conversation, Dickinson, Lafferty, you know, uh, some of these guys who are already 27 years old, 28 years, they, you gotta take the assets that you can get for those players. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie Gladiator? <laughs> <laughs> I have seen the movie, yes. Well, I mean, we just laid out a scenario before where it's like, this isn't Rocky Seven, Taves and Kane. This is Gladiator, where they're the general, then they were a slave, and then they died to save Rome. Let us die in the first round and give us give us two more playoff home games. That's what I'm saying. Well, hey, this that's that's maybe we'll see, but I I <laughs> I don't no. I think I think that Kyle is going to be a seller, and I think that he's got the support from above, no matter what, to rebuild this team and. Um, I think the fans are bought into it. Even the fans that are excited about the fact that the team is playing well right now. Like when I run into people around the city, I, I do think people are still bought in and committed to the fact that this is a rebuild. Um, I do. And again, it's a small sample size, mm-hmm. but, but I, I, I think they, they need to continue along the plan. I, I would agree. I just think it's going to be a very difficult conversation at the end of February. If you're sitting in a playoff spot, with your legends, and it's like actually we're our goal, you know, this whole time for the last eight years was to get in the playoffs, and now you're in a playoff spot, but we're going to tear it down. 
and send him elsewhere, I think that's going to be a, I think that's going to be a tough sell. And maybe it ends up being like another movie. Maybe it's Wolf of Wall Street where they're like, all right, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. <laughs> yeah, we got well, they a have movie the leverage everywhere. They they listen. I I we can send him away leverage. and bring him back. You, they got all the leverage, and I think that there's a possibility they do say, "I'm not going anywhere. I want to see what happens this summer." And and you know they've earned that right as players who have who have got those no movement clauses. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Chief, you you've been. You grew up here, and I, and I know that that you 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 bleed for you know Chicago sports colors. But are you are you thinking that like a one round of the playoffs is worth it, or or are you feeling like if we're in, if you're if you're sitting in seventh or eighth place, why not try to take a run at it and bring some more players in? Like, no, where, I, where, I, where's I, your thought process? I am absolutely in. They will lose in the first round. And if they go to six games and we get three more national anthems with those two guys in big moments, that I, I do think it's worth it. I, I think I think that to me, like, because at that point, uh, even if you sell off everybody, you're still going to need lottery luck to get one of these franchise That's changing true. guys. So you're going to have to like basically lose every single game from March first until the end of the year to give yourself a shot at Fantilli or Bedard. Realistically, with a lottery. So at that point, it's like, well, then are, are we giving away this great opportunity to pick seventh? I, give me the playoff spot if it's if it, it, that's what I mean. If they fall off now, if they go like a deep spell all the way through Christmas, yeah, like I love the rebuild plan. I'm on board. But if you tell me at the end of February we have these guys and we're still basically in the same spot and we're going to sacrifice everything we've been waiting for for this the entire eight years of this contract, which is meaningful hockey. I, that's a tough. That's I, I. I don't think I could do it. I think I would have to write an angry block. I think I would have to write an angry block. I want. I want the playoff series. Hey, Colby, we gotta we gotta run. I'll see you over at TV in a little bit. Thanks for your time, as always. Thanks, Colby. All right, guys, have a good rest of your show. It's Col- Colby Cohen of the Chicago Blackhawks. You see him on NBC Sports Chicago. Back to wrap up the hockey show after this. Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Back before you know it, we are Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. Back on The Hockey Show on ESPN1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Our thanks to our producer, Kendra Smith. Thanks to Colby Cohen for joining us. And thanks to our sponsor, the Chicago Wolves. Uh, speaking of AHL hockey, how's our boy Lucas Reichel doing these days? Well, over a point per game, 10 points in seven games. So if you're looking for some encouragement, uh, look no further than than Lucas Reichel. And, and I, there, how many times are they playing in Chicago this year? Uh, against against the Wolves? 12, 12 times. Yeah. So if you want to see some, you know, it doesn't matter what side of that argument you're on. Go to Wolves game and check him out against the, uh, the Rockford Icehawks because you'll get to see Lucas Reichel, and he is going to be a piece of this puzzle going So forward. interesting week. Winnipeg mm-hmm. this afternoon, win. and then Thursday night in Los Angeles. Win. Win, win. Four, four more You're points. You're doing no push-ups. <laughs> no, I'm still doing push-ups. But I got plenty pretty, of teams, I got team. plenty of teams that you make me do push-ups, but the Hawks, just they're just not one of them. They're gonna, that's going to do it for us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We're back next Saturday at 1 o'clock. We'll see you then. 
You're listening to The Hockey Show. We are Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago.